The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I'm joined by Thais Nye-Therich, and she is an award-winning author of the book Second Chance, A Mother's Quest for a Natural Birth After Cesarean, and she's a master degree merit scholar recipient. And I have had the honor of reading her book. It's incredible, and uh, she gifted some to Birth Circle to give out to families who needed the message, and I am so excited that you're here, Thais. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Sarah. So you actually had your own software company and you've been working with Fortune 500 companies and you've co-authored business books at the University of California, Berkeley. So where, where the heck did the birthie come from? <laughs> well, that's a great place to start with my story is, yeah, I was young um, and working in San Francisco during the the dot-com boom and just a very independent woman. Um, I, uh, you know, dated my husband for many years before marrying. And then when we only moved in together after we were married and wanted children, um, so needed to make a home. And um, it was when I got pregnant and, um, had my first child that my whole life just completely changed um, after that uh, cesarean birth. As does everybody, but <laughs> your, your birth was ended in a surprise C-section or did you tell us the story of your birth? Yeah, so um, it was a healthy pregnancy and um, my water broke early, so before I went into labor. So that's kind of the first um, cascade of, of yeah. interventions. So normally that's not a big deal. And, you know, the, the fear is a risk of infection, but it's like really small. But I didn't know any of this. And mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, my God, my water broke. And I you immediately think about TV shows and you know, TV shows, the water breaks and everybody's Cue the screaming. Yes, <laughs> yeah. the screaming and the rush to the hospital. But the reality is you just have a wet bed and nothing's happening. And so... <laughs> Which, let's be honest, happens sometimes without the water breaking yeah. for other reasons, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was the first thing we called the doctor and she was just like, well, you know, call me in the morning um, and at the time, I wish I had a doula to call as well. Um, mm -hmm. And we actually set our alarm. And oh, I think she said, you know, be in at right, you know, first thing in the morning, really early. So we set an alarm. I remember I didn't even eat breakfast because I was like so nervous. I didn't know. I, I had no, you know, I wasn't, didn't educate myself. Um, so we rushed in to the hospital and I was really bummed I didn't eat because once you're in the hospital, they don't want you to eat. So I started a very long 
flavor with so you basically started running a marathon fasting that (laughs) the math is great on that one okay so set up for success from the start okay yeah yeah so we get in and you know it's a hospital birth um i think what's unique for my story is um, Ina Mae Gaskin. Later on, I, you know, educate myself and I read a lot of books and obviously I, you know, write my own book about it. But you Um, didn't know what you didn't know that first time. I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah, that's, I mean, obviously you're a learner, you're a software engineer, you, you get all the things. You're not a pro, you don't have a problem with dissecting the problem and like figuring out a solution, (laughs) but you didn't know what you didn't know. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's um, the, problem with birth is we all are going in for our first time and the and that's why you know I had my kids 10 years ago so but this my story is still very relevant very so that's the sad part is the the repeat of trauma just keeps happening over and over again because we're not being educated correctly on um the system that we're entering when we go to give birth. So um, you, so they started you on Pitocin, they started trying to induce your labor? Yeah, so, you know, it, I had back labor and, um, you know, I was on my back in the hospital bed and I didn't really move around, um, so, you know, there, one thing that bothered me was that there was a lot of different people in the room. So it's a very intimate, you know, process Mm -hmm. and you get really sensitive to who's in the room and the nurses kept changing and I was super sensitive to their energy. And like one was talking about taking their lunch break and this is like the biggest moment of my life. And I'm like, I don't care about your lunch break. (laughs) I just, I just I just didn't want anybody to talk to me yeah. about, about their stuff. So, um, so yeah, the labor didn't progress as uh, they like it to progress. And so I started, you know, getting uh, the interventions. So um, I think the first was fentanyl, which I started hallucinating. I remember seeing the lights like turn to rabbits and then. Oh my my goodness. Yeah. So I now have that on my medical, like, you know, no morphine, please. I hallucinate. Fentanyl makes rabbits. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, So that made everything else. (laughs) It probably didn't take the edge off the pain either. It just confused you, right? Oh, it was awful. Yeah. It just did made everything heightened and worse. Um, yeah. And then, then I got the epidural. I can't remember if they gave me Pitocin before. Normally they point, give it before. Yeah. I was there really any informed <laughs> consent at this point. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't, I knew I wanted a natural birth and, but then I also was told actually in my birth class, um, don't try to be a hero, do what the doctor says. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, and so I also had that in my mind where, oh, okay, they're telling me to do this, so I should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had it, the epidural and then I actually had it quite late. I, I think I was like nine centimeters, which is, they, they really shouldn't give you an epidural at that point because it makes pushing so hard. So I did get to complete wow. and I pushed, but I, at this point I couldn't, 
feel anything. So it was really hard to push a baby out. Um, I kind of think about it and think how pathetic that must have been, especially if you don't have experience with that feeling of yeah pushing a baby out. So, um, so then my time was up for pushing and the doctor said, um, you know, it was like close to midnight, which is a classic time if you look at graphs of when uh, cesareans happen because it's either yeah. time for dinner or getting kind of late in the night. Um, so I definitely fit into that statistic and, um, yeah. And she just said, you know, it's time, it's time to get, you're fine. Your baby's fine. Um, it's just time. It's just time to get this baby out. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, and if everybody's fine. Then why are we doing this? Yeah. And I remember thinking it was a little strange, but I was also like, 10 centimeters and pushing my baby out. So it wasn't the best time to like be discussing world politics. Yeah. Just like, you know, thinking through, I had no advocate. My, you know, my husband was there, but he, you know, he doesn't know either. And we were just like, okay. Um, so I signed the paper and I remember like, I remember her waiting next to the bed and like, like tapping the pen, like waiting for me to process it. And, um, and that was one of the moments, mm. um, that I think I, you know, when I say, Oh, I should have could have would have is like, Hey, okay. Can I have, you know, 15 minutes to think about it? Like even that would have been amazing. Cause then I would have had time to process, oh, I'm moving now from a, what I thought I was going to have a natural birth into now a cesarean, but I didn't even get any time to process. And I think that was one of the beginning of kind of the more tr big trauma that I yeah. experienced. Because um, as soon as I signed that piece of paper, man, I was being shaved. So they shave all your pubic hairs. You don't ask, right? They're just like down there shaving your pubic hairs. Why? For... I guess surgery. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're know. not cutting down there. Sorry. My mind is yeah. blown. Is that normal? I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and then, yeah. And then they move you, you know, onto a gurney and there's like big men in the room to like lift you. And, um, and so it's all really fast and, stuff is happening to you that like redose your epidural so the anesthesiologist comes in and then they real and then like there was no emergency with me but it was like fast re reeling me down the hall like running so basically it sounds like a pretty um pretty big orchestrated effort like they'd done this a few times yeah like, it's is, like this is something yeah. that they were used to especially if it was an emergency but they had all of these protocols i find that interesting yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that's where the, you know, taking a situation for what it is rather than just, you know, cookie cutter, cutting everybody into the same, you know, system, you know, really make, you know, connecting with your patient and stuff like that yeah. would, would go, would be great because it would, um, even if you had to, to have a cesarean, even if the cesarean happened and it was unnecessary, but wasn't traumatic, I think I would have been happier, but because it was so traumatic and like crazy, I, I had post-traumatic stress for, and you know, I couldn't work. I ended up getting out of the business. It like affected my 
you know, my career and my, you know, my mental health wow. for, for yeah. years, like years to come. Actually, it wasn't until the VBAC, the VBAC um, really saved me. So be- was the... Was your C-section pretty routine? I mean, did you recover okay, or did you have complications? Yeah, it was pretty routine. Um, you know, it was extremely painful, and you know, you're in the hospital. I think I was in the hospital for like five days, and um, I think the the worst thing about it is people treat you like, you know, you you know, you had you like gave birth rather than having like major major surgery. So they're kind so, of ignoring your needs. They just basically think you just gave birth instead of abdominal surgery, but you just had abdominal surgery kind of yeah. ignoring that. Well, yeah. I mean, even in society, right? Like we think of cesareans as childbirth now because so many people have them. Um, yeah. 33% of, of births in the United States or 31% are C-section. That's yeah, really on cool. on yeah. average, yeah. yeah. And, then, and, and then some you, hospitals are more. Some yeah, less. right. So, so um, did you? So you were pushing at ten centimeters. Do you think if you'd been given the time, you could have pushed the baby out, or do you feel like there was like something going on? I mean, I mean, your baby comes, you know, wants to come out, and I think that I remember thinking that, like, oh my god, is my baby going to be in here forever? That was the feeling I was being given was if we don't have the C-section, your baby is like never coming out. And I was like, what? so um, I'm sure if I had time, I mean, it's not unusual to go, you know, I wasn't even into my third hour. I don't think um, for, a first yeah. baby, for a first baby to go pretty long. And now, push. C-sections are life-saving. They are a surgery that we would never, ever want to take off out of our tool belts. Like, hands down and birth is birth no matter how the baby comes out and you have the choice if you want a, 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 a c-section and that is your choice and or how you want the c-section done like that is all your option the reason why this was traumatic is because it sounds like you didn't get that option none of this was your choice and that's what's frustrating about it right yeah and i think that's where i tend to advocate now is whenever i see um like, uh, like for instance, there's a law right now in California trying to, you know, go through the Senate where to have a VBAC, you would have to ask permission to, to make that choice. So, so that's exactly it. It's like, we all need to remind, be, remind ourselves that our rights as, you know, people going in and getting medical care doesn't change because we're giving birth. We still are the final decision makers um, for what happens to us. And so going in with that empowerment, knowing that you are in charge and you have hired these people to help you and Mm -hmm. they are not, they are not there to tell you what to do. Just that changing that mindset can change everything. Yeah, you can ask for things in your C-section, like dim the lights, or I don't know, a lot of people put like music on or whatever, you know, you can do so many beautiful things. Yeah, you can. Family, family-centered family C-sections or gentle C-sections, I've heard them called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, um, so uh, the recovery then was long and difficult. I find that ironic that they they took five days of your life <laughs> because 
the C-section was faster mm-hmm. for them, but okay. So then you get pregnant again? Yeah. So then right after that, I knew some, like I, I, I felt abused basically. So I was, I was crying. It was really hard. So I spent three years trying to figure out what happened to me. And um, I was going to say, you seem very like passe about this. Like yeah. it's just a cute story, <laughs> but anybody who's had birth trauma knows this is not a cute story. And you have done some serious work to get to the point where we can have this conversation without you like completely melting down and it making Absolutely. your week like totally throwing you off for the week. Right. Oh God. So, if so you're hearing, true. And maybe we should have put a trigger warning on this, but if you're yeah. hearing her story and you're like, well, she must not have felt that big because she's, she's speaking so plainly about it. That is far from the case. Yeah. And also I'm an author. I give a lot of talks. Uh, so I have very practiced. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell my story a lot. Um, but you're right. Like I remember that was one of the things that I would tell, um, people who I hired to help me recover was I just want to be able to tell my birth story without crying. That was like my tagline. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I was determined to have my natural birth and I didn't even, um, I, I, so I started to be back and I remember interviewing doctors in San Francisco and trying to find a provider that would, um, treat me like I was the one in charge. Actually, I was looking for someone that kind of respected me, and um, it was really hard. I couldn't, I couldn't find anybody. I couldn't find people that would even take an inter interview. You know, mm. so um, so you pretty know. much nobody wanted to touch you as a VBAC. So vaginal birth after after C section, nobody wanted to touch you. Yeah, I'm a, I, I am a risk for them. It's not a risk. Uh, thing to do, although it's like every there's uh, well, being a lot human of fear. is a little bit risky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a lot of um, misinformation about me back. Uh, so I was down to like, and because I was feeling that, I had to counter it with my own knowledge. So I studied medical studies basically. I uh, did my own research, and I was just like, okay, well, if nobody's going to take me. I'm going to need to do a home birth. And so I, there was even midwives that wouldn't take me. And that was really crushing because I thought that they would at least um, follow the science. Um, mm. But uh, there was one person that um, wouldn't take me. Uh, so, and then finding someone that actually has experience with, you know, the signs of, uterine rupture or have experience with VBAC. So their fear wasn't coming in either. And also, so I was, I felt, you know, safe that if there was any, if I went out of the normal zone at all, they would just take me to the hospital. Um, So I wasn't being reckless or no, or anything like that. Because this time you knew what you didn't know. And so you filled the gap. You super educated yourself before the birth and you wanted to have yeah. a provider that would help you make those informed choices. Yeah, exactly. And I was living in San Francisco. I was like five minutes away from the hospital. So, um, so yeah, it was great. And I, 
and it was nice actually to um, go to a midwife's office for prenatal care because it's, you know, a little more homey than going to the hospital. Totally. And I had like an hour appointment rather than 20 minutes. Wow. You, you, not even yeah. though. So did you go, was it a home birth midwife that you had to use or was it a hospital midwife? I used a home birth midwife. Yeah. So um, the, there's a, I guess last week there was a Senate bill in California restricting midwife access? What was, what's that about? So that's a hard one um, because um, it was, it, it's still, right now it's up, it's up on the governor's desk. So it did, it might pass, um, which isn't entirely a bad thing. It is increasing access to nurse midwives in hospitals, basically. Um, what I, why I oppose it is because it added, I think somewhere in the negotiations, my particular situation, uh, got more restrictive. So mm. the part of the bill that I care about is the VBAC part. And I would have never been able to do, to have a home birth VBAC, um, the way I did if this bill had passed when I was giving birth. So right now, if it passes without any editing um, and I had to do my situation again, I would have first had to find a doctor, which I already had looked for one, yeah. that, that would sign off on my choice to have a VBAC at home with a midwife. So they would then have to take on that risk. Um, That's ridiculous for you to ask a doctor to take the, the liability of something he's not even going to be present at. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But that's, you know, I think a lot of good things will happen with this bill, but also some things. Well, perhaps. I mean, yeah, yeah you could also say that if you had, had access to a nurse midwife in the beginning, you may not have been pushed for a C-section in the first place. So maybe it can lower the VBAC, the need for VBACs, right? One could hope. Right. Yes, that's definitely, hopefully. Okay, that's what we're shooting positives. for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, California, I'm, <laughs> I'm sending positive thoughts to you right now, even though I, yeah. <laughs> you're a little bit crazy for doing this anyway. Just stay out of. Yeah, I hope stay they out edit of it. our vaginas. Like, stay out of our vaginas. Just let us have control of our vaginas, please. Yeah. So it's again just not trusting us to make our own medical decisions, and like needing permission from a higher authority to grant us what we would like to do, um, and or or deciding for us if it's safe or not. Or in any other in any other aspect, it would be seen as ridiculous to get permission for a root canal, or permission for a colonoscopy, or for permission mm -hmm. for a tummy tuck. I mean, come on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so you did end up then going into labor at home and having your home birth midwife mm -hmm. come. And how did that go? It was great. Yeah. We had, I had called, um, West. I named my Cyan baby. Um, uh, I named him after like going West for like new hope and, Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. So just a little, now I think about it within our current day and thinking, oh, that's very colonial of me, <laughs> you know, but whatever. Always um, trying to like blaze new pads and do yeah. things the hard way. Yep. I know. Go sister. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, so he was my nine to five baby and, um, there was, you know, it was pretty uneventful. I did have a birth tub, which is fun, like going in the water. I didn't give birth to the him in the water. I just gave birth to him on my side of the bed at the house. And it was really relaxing just hearing the kids playing in the backyard and, um, and there was just, you know, some mental stuff like getting stuck where I was, uh, stuck before. And I remember saying, saying, you know, asking my midwife, Oh my God, is this going to happen again? Like, am I going to be able to like push my baby out? And so you hired um, a midwife and a therapist, which by the way, they kind of do naturally together. Right? Yeah. So you're having to like do a second level. I mean, you'd spend the last three years healing from the cesarean, mm-hmm. but then during your birth, you're having to do even another layer of healing. Definitely. Yeah. Just getting through that I'm stuck part um, was kind of interesting. And I remember. Did you get stuck? I mean, it was a little like I did get, I mean, I was moving very regularly. And then that last little bit, I think I, it took me like two hours instead of one to um, efface, I think. And then she did have to like manually efface my cervix to, to really open it. And that, did the job. Um, I did the job. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> super, super painful, but yeah, it's not yeah. my favorite thing to have done. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then I, I, it didn't take too long to push. I think it was like just an hour, um, super intense, but amazing feeling. Um, I just, and to like push up, it was just like, I remember, uh, my husband, Zach, like, just say, oh, my God, you're doing it. Like, all your hard work is paying off. And everybody is, like, totally celebrating in the room. And I'm, like, still panicked that I need to, like, hold, my baby's, like, halfway out of me. And I still don't believe that I can do it, you know. And <laughs> And then it wasn't well. until I was like holding my baby, you know, that. But even um, then you're like, wait, wait, is this for real? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was so happy. It was really amazing and amazing to have his brother like, you know, witness the birth of, you know, of his, oh, his yeah. younger brother and all that was very um, family centric and intimate, yeah. which I really loved. So what kind of research did you do that led you to decide that VBAC was a safe option for you? So um, first I had to kind of figure out um, why I was feeling the way I was feeling. So I worked through reading um, a lot of books um, like Buckley was, I think Sarah Buckley Mm -hmm. and then Ina May Gaskin and um, just reading all these books that really focus more on the internal journey of a woman giving birth or, you know, a person giving birth and, um, and, and that growth, like the strength uh, you feel like to successfully give birth is like, you're just, the strongest person on earth, right? After you do that, you can do anything. You can raise your child. That feeling you have is like, I just think about, you know, how important that is almost to to my journey of uh, being able to raise a a child and feel strong enough to do it. Um, And then after that, I had to research VBAC because I was being, uh, it was difficult to find a, 
a doctor to support me with that um, authentically. I, I, there were doctors that were like, yeah, sure, you can, I'll let you try, you know, but I was looking for someone that was really wanting me to succeed. Um, and I, yeah, cause I, the problem with we'll let you try yeah. is that it's kind of in the provider's court in when they want to let, stop letting you try. So that's one thing I hate when people say, Oh, I'm going to shoot for a V back. We're going to see how it goes. My provider said, they'll let me try. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It depends. You know, what is try? Where's that line for your provider? That's, but you know, you mm -hmm. just don't want to burst anyone's bubble or tell them that what they're planning is kind of up in the air if they really care, if they don't care, great. But if they care, mm -hmm. that, like you said, you're like not going to take that answer because it's just not clear enough for you. Exactly. I didn't want them to hold the power over me because I had already experienced what that looks like and it really hurt me. Uh, so I couldn't find anybody that was like, absolutely, like, we'll keep you safe, whatever you want to do we will be there for you um, and keep you safe while you do what you got to do, you know? Um, but, it, and it wasn't until I found my midwife um, that I got that feeling. Um, so then to put my mind at ease and basically answer everybody's questions for nine months, um, you know, my in-laws were super nervous. Uh, I had people like doing ultrasounds that were like, I didn't know that was illegal. Like, I didn't mm -hmm. know you could do that. And this is like someone who ultrasounds pregnant women all day long. Uh, and I was just like, all right. <laughs> it's just so, you know. That's so what I, I felt with my first home birth. People were like, are you allowed to do that? Yeah. I'm like, well, you're allowed to take a dump in your own bathroom. It makes sense. You would have other bodily functions you could have in your own house. I don't know. I was just, I got yeah. so tired of it. Did you get mm -hmm. tired of the questions? I'm not even going, I wasn't even going for a VBAC. I was just yeah. going for a home birth. Like, did you just kind of get tired or did you look at it as an opportunity to educate? Yeah. Well, I was like, well, you know, I should probably know, feel confident in my answers. And so I, that's where I, you know, studied. Uh, actual birth studies. Um, so I wanted evidence-based uh, advice. And so I, I had to read the studies myself because I wasn't getting um, correct. The information I would get from some sources was contrary to what the studies said. Mm. So um, I just had to do all the work myself. And, uh, and then I just felt more confident um that uh that I wasn't gonna hurt myself or my baby or you know anything like that um and this, and that one line that my midwife said was you know as soon as things get out of the normal zone we'll take you to the hospital and and that's fine like you know and you had a clear definition of what normal what kind of normal you were comfortable with yeah yeah we you know we talked about it all and um and uh yeah you just uh you know you basically the big fear with VBAC is the uterine rupture so yeah that's, and one thing is that i learned was uterine ruptures are like not explosive so they are slow like a slow drip 
Um, most, you know, most of the time, most of the time. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, but no, I this, know. Is, this is what I learned, you know, and but you um, don't just blow up internally and everybody dies at the same time. Yeah. You, there are yeah. some signs of uterine rupture that you yes. can be watching for. Yeah. And so finding someone that knows those signs and can watch for those, um, while you do, while you give birth. So it's, you really need to, when, you know, even with, if you do a ton of research and you, you know, know exactly what's going on when you're in the moment, you really need to be focusing on birthing your baby and not advocating mm -hmm. for yourself. So it's just so important to hire help that, um, you align with so that they can watch, um, while watch over you while you do your, your thing. Um, and, um, and like also not have, so the childbirth class like finding a childbirth class uh like i think you did you mention this in i think before we started recording your independent childbirth class so i went to the hospital mm -hmm. childbirth class and um that's where you know i got the whatever the doctor says you know don't try to be a hero do whatever the doctor says so that you know yeah not well. great advice um when. I mean, it's great advice for them. If, yeah. You know, they're running a business. That's how they would like you to be a good customer. That's, mm -hmm. you know, it's perfectly yeah. fine. <laughs> it's just, it is what it is, but you, you find what works for you, what birth modality, what education modality works for you. So yeah. The most supportive to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just important for, you know, new moms to know that it's not straightforward. Like I was like, Oh, you know, of course they're going to do a, like everything based on evidence. I am, you know, in San Francisco and, you know, super enlightened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's not true. And it varies provider to provider based on their values as a yeah. person. Well, and policy isn't always evidence-based either. And, and the evidence can be interpreted differently. That's what I find interesting. You can have this evidence that, you know, ACOG comes out with, and then you have, providers interpreting that completely differently and yeah and then ACOG changes their policies so you know it's it's a very fluid uh you know process of determining the rules around um, but could you, you know, imagine if we had this many these many rules around any other bodily function like eating yeah. or sleeping or other things recreational activities and you had all I these know. rules and <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's a lot to navigate. So I think it's just important to know that sadly you're entering this huge system of culture and politics and policy and liability and mm -hmm. that you need to really sadly go in prepared for that. Um, and, you know, and definitely find time to enjoy being pregnant. And it's just yeah. like, so lovely, but also don't, don't be like, naive, I guess, like I was. <laughs> yeah. Don't be naive. Yeah. But, but, um, but really what you discovered then was that VBAC was a very safe option. Do you remember the stats, like mm -hmm. the safety of VBAC compared to a repeat C-section? Because there are definitely risks to undergoing abdominal surgery multiple times. We had oh, a, yeah. we had a mom out here recently, um, had six babies and her six C-section, she died on the table. Just it, that's a risk for C-sections, right? She, so yeah. what, you know, I mean, what's the comparison of safety between a repeat section, C-section and a V-back, their relative safety between each other? Yeah. So I remember, um, it's been a while since I 
work through the actual numbers, but um, I remember a VBAC at home and the at home part was important because you're relaxed, which plays a lot into having a successful birth is if you can relax. I think for me, it was the hospital is stressful because all the people being told what to do and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I remember the, it was very close this like to have, it was like, but it was slightly weighed on the VBAC at home was safer, especially if you felt like it would be a more comfortable location for you. Um, and that's where I was like, okay, well, it's, even if it was neck and neck, I I probably still would have, you know, had a VBAC at home. Um, but it was actually just a hair safer, um, so that's what, what ultimately um, made me feel at ease. Yeah. And there, and there are, you know, I had three years in between my C-section and um, I had my scar checked and, lots you know, time to heal, lots yeah. of time to heal. And um, so I, I, I checked all the boxes. Um, I think there's even room to wiggle within those boxes, but I was very, yeah, it was a very clear cut VBAC um, candidate. So the statistics show that uh, VBACs are overwhelmingly successful, that if you try for a VBAC mm-hmm. with, under the right conditions, mm-hmm. overwhelmingly you are able to achieve that. Do you think that's because, um, do, do you think that's because of the mindset that you go through with a VBAC, like the rigorous work, emotional work that you go through when you decide to have a VBAC, that that, that helps? Or do you think you can accidentally have a VBAC and be okay? Or what do you think? Well, V, so for my, I, the people that have VBAC at home are less than 1% of the population giving birth in the United States. So I think, uh, at least for my, what I thought about my instance is people who are doing what I did are super strong, like super determined, uh, have done, you know, probably done a lot of work. And so they're going to be successful. and then VBAC, if you want, so like more of a, oh, I'm going to go in the hospital and I want to try to have a VBAC. Um, I don't know too, um, too much about that, but I think that one, just having a second baby. So for instance, I was even pushing. So, you know, I've, my body would have already known more what to do. I would have already kind of had an experience around it. Also, just wanting a VBAC hopefully sets the stage in the hospital, and maybe this time you get someone that's going to encourage you a little more. Um, So I think those types of situations lead to um, a success, and and then also having a provider that is willing to let you try and encourages you. I think even though it's not ideal, it's better than – no, we need to schedule you, um, which is a, a lot of people. Um, yeah. So. For some people, though, some providers are like, well, okay, you, you'll be okay with the VBAC as long as you go into spontaneous labor before 38 weeks. And you're like, uh, oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> that seems quite arbitrary since 40 weeks is usually <laughs> when you want to shoot for. Yeah, I was 41. And Who that, goes into spontaneous labor at 38 yeah. weeks and everybody's excited? Like, usually you don't want to go yeah. into labor at 38 weeks. <laughs> yeah, mean, that's I, a hard one. <laughs> so did you get a doula the second time then? Yeah, I had a midwife. I had a doula. 
Um, a photographer and a filmmaker yeah. and a Actually, caterer. Yeah, didn't and a, have any of that. <laughs> okay. Just I didn't have that, but um, I had a great childbirth class. I did hypnobirthing. Um, I actually did um, a session of hyp hypnosis, not with the hypnobirthing class, but hypnosis to replay the C-section to figure out where the trauma happened. Mm. And that was super helpful because um, I nailed down exactly. Exactly why and where, where it happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and what else? I had a lovely women's group. We met, um, monthly during my nine months of pregnancy with my second child, where we did all sorts of, um, talking and we did some like art and, um, I had a, um, uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting the name. Anyways, it'll come to me. Um, so just a way more spiritual, relaxing, like serious, this, you know, I can't just run around to my job and act like I'm not pregnant and get my nails and my hair done. Mm -hmm. Like all that I did with my first child and my second child, I was like, I am not having a shower. I am, I don't want, you know, I'm not having a phone list of people I call when I go into labor because the pressure, uh, I remember yeah. my first baby, there was people in the waiting room waiting to see the baby. They're waiting there for like six hours. I just, it was pressure to perform. That's a, that's yes. a big thing. Like it's a legitimate problem. Yeah. Yeah. If you, especially if you are a people pleaser, then, you know, mm -hmm. having your mom or your friends in the waiting, waiting room, you feel bad that they're out there waiting. And even the doctor, like putting him inconveniencing him, him if mm -hmm. you know he has a family event or whatever. Totally. So um, what would you say to somebody who is um, actively being denied a VBAC and they would like it? What would be your advice to them? Keep, keep shopping, man. It's a business, um, especially during COVID, like find a hospital that will allow your partner to be there. Uh, they're, they're out there. Um, uh, make sure you're not going to be separated from your baby. Like you would think these things are just um, done because it's evidence-based, but it's, it's not. And it's e interesting how as soon as there's some little, you know, COVID isn't little, but something to interrupt um, the normal flow of things that immediately the, you know, the birthing person's rights are, you know, taken away. So uh, just shop around, ask a lot of questions, make sure um, you're going to be taken care of in the right way. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would just, just, start early and just know it's, you know, it could be, um, a lot of shopping. <laughs> yeah. A lot yeah. of shopping. It, yeah. it may take a while. And that yeah. was my next question is, yeah. What do you think COVID has done to chances of VBAC? Do you think it's made, it's been a big impact or do you think it's just, you know, everybody's been affected equally? Mm. Well, I mean, from what I have been reading and hearing from my friends is, um, all things natural are better right now. <laughs> so there's more home births, there's less, they, you know, 
they don't want you coming into the hospital um, early, which is great. That would have been great. That's true. They encourage you to stay home longer. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So me coming in when I wasn't first birth, when I wasn't even um, in in labor yet, I just had my water break. You know, that's not good. Um, So I, and also if you stay home, if you're planning hospital birth, the longer you can stay home, the longer you can have your doula right there with pressure points. Right. Yeah. And it's not fun to transfer to hospital in transition, but, mm -hmm. but then you get your doula at home. That's just my thinking. I mean, I'm just not having a baby this year, so I don't even know what I would do if I was, I just. Yeah. I love it this year. Yeah. This year. (laughs) I just, I just want everybody who's listening, who is pregnant. My heart really does. I just. so hard right now. And the isolation before and after. Uh Uh-huh. My neighbor, she um, had a preemie and she wanted her mom to come help, help. And she asked her mom to take a COVID test before coming. And her mom ended up having, (laughs) having COVID and she got it from her husband who had knee surgery in the hospitals. And so they had to wait. And luckily she's here now, but just so, so hard. It's already hard uh, to have a newborn, to be pregnant and all that. And just right now it just sounds... Yeah. So, so, so hard. So yeah, I, I have my heart out to all those, all those people going through these early stages. It's just so difficult. I hope though that, um, I was looking for the silver lining and mm-hmm. how COVID has actually been really great for a lot of people in the birthing world. The home births are up, the confidence in home birthing is up, the, mm-hmm. the options. So yeah, there's a lot of negatives, but I'm hoping that it's bringing more awareness to options just like mm-hmm. homeschool is becoming out in the in the forefront and whether you yeah. believe in it or not it doesn't matter the the point is that the options are becoming more equal and so you really can pick what's best for your family instead of just going what the status quo dictates yeah no it is it's 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 kind of funny how how like the fringe can overnight <laughs> turn into the mainstream. Fringe is, oh, like, cool. <laughs> so how how old are your kiddos? So uh, Nate is fourteen and West is eleven. Oh, so this has been a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We had babies around the same time. That's fun. So um, how do people find you? If they want so to I'm- learn more. Yeah. Um, so my book is on Amazon and, um, you can also listen to it and I, it's an ebook as well. And, um, my website is my first and last name, theasterich.com. Um, and the book title is a uh, second chance on mother's quest for natural birth after cesarean. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, you know, I have all my contact information on my website if anybody wants to reach out. And do you have research, do you have um, information on your site about VBAC, about um, stats and math and all sorts of things? I don't have too much of that. I point to other places uh, that uh, make this more of their business. I am more of um, a mother who is telling her story rather than a place to like, I'm not, I haven't continued to, uh, research and keep, you know, like, well, as long as you're pointing to it, I mean, facts or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all great places to go for more um, 
up-to-date information but if you are interested in a story then my my memoir you know is yeah is like a, you know a story you're right that it took you two years to even realize that you had been traumatized so now even listening to this if you think oh my goodness VBAC's even an option like the first step is to even acknowledge that it exists, that it's a possibility. And you've done amazing in your story, telling your story. I'm sure countless women have been impacted by just hearing your story and going, oh, that mm -hmm. happened to me or that could happen to me or whatever it is that they make the connection personally. And then it enables them to make a choice that works better for them. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I've been wanting to talk to you since February. So finally, <laughs> it's been so good to talk to you. Yeah, same <laughs> thank you, with thank you, you, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so great. I, again, if you want to reach out um, to her directly, I'm going to spell it because names, okay. T-H-A-I-S-D-E-R-I-C-H.com. If you missed that, you can always reach me at media at com, and I'll get you in contact with all of her good stuff. And thank you again. Yes, thank you. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience.